So here we are opening our Bibles and with the faith and belief that this is no ordinary word, but it is the inspired word of God. So we're going to look at some things here today. <clears throat> By the way, um, while I'm finding my talk for today, um, Pastor Darrell and Beth are in Adelaide. Uh, they became great-grandparents, I think it was Thursday morning, about 5 a.m. Uh, a little boy, a seven and a half pound, uh, born to Natasha and Ryan, and his name is Theodore Ezra. So there you go. The word Theodore, I believe, in the Greek means a gift from God. Is that correct? Well done. Okay. My wife told me that on the way here, Nick, so I knew it was, would be right. Okay, all right. Um, if you'd like to turn your Bible to Matthew 25, uh, we've got quite a few people away. Pastor Chris is down in Geelong today. Uh, the Redfords are over in South Australia and quite a few others. Nevertheless, we're here and we're rejoicing in the Lord. Matthew 25, where we want to start. I'm going to read in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, is as a man travelling into a far country who calleth his own servants and delivers unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that received two, he also gained another other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, and saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. We'll just pause there. This whole chapter is about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the return of the Lord, we often say. And if you're new here today and you're not aware of it, but the Bible prophesizes a time, our age, our time, when Jesus gave a lot of signs that have been fulfilled during this time of his second coming. It was almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died for mankind, for the sins of mankind. And through that death and resurrection, uh, God was able to offer the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you heard Andy testify that when he was 14, he received the Holy Spirit. It's a one-liner that we say in our testimony, but it's everything that Jesus died that we may receive. The gift of God, the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, that's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit and you know the Lord is in you. And, uh, and uh, of course... Uh, here we are 2,000 years on, and the Lord is talking about his second coming. And that's what this chapter is a lot about. In fact, the chapter opens up 
with the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And um, it talks about wise virgins who use the Holy Spirit and keep, kept the Holy Spirit topped up in their lives. And they went in to meet the bridegroom or Jesus Christ at his coming. The other five virgins were foolish or insipid or lukewarm. And uh, they didn't use the Spirit as they should have. And as a result, they missed out. The door was shut. Uh, also, at the end of the chapter, it, uh, from verse 31 onwards, it talks about Jesus Christ coming back and dividing sheep's, sheep from goats. On his right hand, the sheep. On his left hand, the goats. And there's quite a, a different result for the sheep being with the Lord and the goats being rejected of him. So in the middle of all that, we have this parable, the parable of the talents, that again, it's the Lord, the man traveling, uh, it's the Lord that gives his talents to these three particular servants. And and this is uh, leading up here to the time of his return, our time, our age, and he reckons with them. He's trying to assess He's trying to judge how how well they've done with what he gave them. Uh, This is the culmination, as it were, of a man's salvation and a woman's salvation. This is is all about what life is about. If life is about Jesus Christ, and he said that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then uh, this is the ultimate of that life, making it with the Lord coming up to meet the Lord at his coming. And there's going to be a reckoning time as to what we've done with the talents that he gave us. So this is the culmination of our salvation. When the Lord returns and we find out whether we've made it with the Lord into the promise of eternal life. You know, um, here are just a couple of words I'd like to mention. The word ability, which is mentioned there uh, in verse 15 to several ability Uh, if you look that word up it's the word dunamis which uh, is the same word exactly the same word that is used in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus Christ uh, his last words before he left to go back to his heavenly father he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon them and uh, that power is the word Dunamis, the same word here as ability. So obviously this uh, talent and this ability that's been imparted is the power of God's spirit. You know, uh, it's the ability to do something with the Holy Ghost. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, we read there in Acts chapter 1, as we look at this wonderful word, how miraculous that power is how dynamic it is, how explosive it can be, how, how transforming it can be in our lives. It can really change our life. It can transform our life. It can perform miracles in our life. So that's what we're talking about here. And the word traded is interesting as well. It means to work with, to trade, uh, to engage by labour, to grab hold of it. So we're talking here about the Holy Ghost, the dynamic, hard-working power, miraculous power of God's Spirit, the ability, 
and to use it in a way where we are working with it, we are trading with it, we are trying to get an increase from five talents to ten talents, from two talents, uh, from, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, ten talents uh, gaining more and five talents gaining more and so on. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, five talents and then two talents and then one talent. Well, the first two, we're going to find out what they did with this uh, trading, with this working of the Holy Spirit. So it's reckoning time. It's the Lord's return time. It's, uh, it's now whether the Lord is happy with what we've done with the Holy Ghost, how well we've traded and used it in our lives. How well have you worked and engaged with the Holy Spirit is really what the Lord is asking. And the answer to that determines our ultimate destiny. So this is pretty critical, you know, that we get, we've done the right stuff, the right things. And we pick it up now in verse 20. We just hit the pause button there in verse 19. So uh, verse 20. And so he that received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. So I did engage with the Holy Ghost. I used it. I traded with it. I put some energy and effort into it. And, of course, here is an increase, five talents more. And we read in verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, the good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And that is the ultimate of what life is all about. To hear those words said to you by your Saviour Jesus Christ at his coming when he reckons with you as to what you've done with what he died to give you, the Holy Ghost and fire. You know, so that's, that, that's what happens. And... Uh, this is the ultimate, of course, of salvation. This is the fulfilment of it all, of walking with the Lord, whether it's been days, months, years, but being able to hear these words at his coming. He then that received two talents, verse 22, came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Same wonderful words. Right? It's those words that will translate you from mortal to immortality. <clears throat> it's those words that will take you from corruptible flesh to incorruptible and forever with the Lord. Amazing. So you want to be able to hear these words. Um, and then verse 24, Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew. So he knew. He was aware what was expected of him. He knew what the Lord wanted him to do, to trade with the ability and the talent. Uh, and uh, he said, So I knew that you, a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed and I was afraid or I was in awe I didn't I didn't appreciate the responsibility that you put upon me Lord and he went and went and hid the talent in the earth 
Lo, there thou hast that which is thine. And of course, because he didn't trade with it, he didn't have an increase, he just hid it in the ground. This is the response the Lord gives him in verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant. The word is lazy, idle, slow, slothful. They knewest I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not stored. I expect you to go and preach the gospel now. I expect you to be a good testimony now. I expect you to do something with what's given to you so that there is increase in my house. You know, though oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I would have received mine own with usury or with gain, with interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. For unto everyone that has shall be given, and he that shall have and shall have an abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast the unprofitable servant. The word unprofitable means of no use, useless, not wanted. The unprofitable servant unto outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the, the chapter goes on to talk about that uh, parable of the sheep and the goats. It's all to do with the coming of the Lord. It's all to do with reckoning time as to what we've done with the ability and talent of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so the servant who did not trade, who did not make an increase, well, we see what happened to him. Outer darkness, you know, gnashing of teeth. It's pretty serious. Uh, the talk here today is really all about being fruitful or, being, or growing or increasing in what God has given us. And it's obvious from this parable that there needs to be an increase. We need to be able to say to the Lord when he comes and reckons with us, here's the Holy Ghost you gave me, Lord. I put it to work. I was diligent and have a look at the increase. I appreciated what you gave me, Lord. I thought it was fantastic. You know, yes, I've been through some hardships and we've heard a bit of in Andrew's testimony and we've all got stories to tell about uh, the hardships in life. But nevertheless, your spirit, Lord, was fantastic. It got me through and uh, I increased in my knowledge of you and I appreciated you more and more as the time went on and I was able to be a good testimony for you and see my life change and be fruitful in your love. Yeah, that's the sort of answer you want to be able to give. So today is really about, it's really I want to look at some principles and also some attitudes that are critical for growth to happen. There has to be an increase. You know, it must bear fruit. We must engage. We must trade by effort and, uh, and work to make the Holy Ghost increase. And I just want to look at some of the critical attitudes and some of the vital principles to make this happen. So it's not, um, you want to make it into his kingdom, all the people said. Amen. You want to be there when the Lord returns. You want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Eternal life is yours, forever with the Lord. Amazing, in a split second in time. You're gonna, it's just going to be mind-boggling. Your mind's going to take in everything. You know, about he made you, he loved you, he died for you, he rose from the dead for you. 
He knows your every thought, your being, your innermost being. He knows everything about you personally, intimately, and able to say, enter in. You've made it with your Lord. We're going to have a great time together forever. Time will end. There will not be time or ageing or sorrow or dying or pain and all those things. You know, it's amazing to meet the Lord at his coming. And uh, so you want to be there and hear those words, enter in, no good and faithful servant. That's what life is all about. So we need to engage. We need to work. We need to get the increase. We need to see the Holy Spirit bear fruit through the power and the ability of the Spirit. The Lord is always, always right through the pages of the Bible, always looking for increase, looking for multiplication of what he has given, looking for it to grow, looking for it to revive and produce more. You know, if you look at the Acts chapter 2 church when the Holy Spirit was first given, right at the end there's a church gathered together, they met together, they took communion, they, uh, they abided in the word of God, in the teaching of the apostles, they rejoiced together, they witnessed together, they had all things in common, they saw signs, wonders and miracles, uh, you know, they helped one another, they encouraged one another, amazing Wonderful snapshot of what the church of God looks like. And right in the end, the last words of Acts chapter 2, and the Lord added daily to the church such as would be saved. Every day there was increase, there was more, there was abundance. Salvation of people, yes, but also increase within the church in the fruit of his spirit. So revival and growth and increase is part of uh, what God expects and he sets it all in motion and expects us to engage in his work and see the growth. Jesus did say, you go and preach the gospel. I've done my part. I've made it possible for there to be a gospel, to be a message where you can say, you must be born again. And if you're new here today, the gospel is the same for you. You must be born again of God's spirit. You must be baptized by full immersion in water. Jesus started it, he made it possible, and he expects us to engage in the work of the gospel and see revival. Preach the gospel and you'll see people saved. You'll see increase. You'll see God confirming his word with signs following. The miraculous power of the Holy Ghost will work mightily and there'll be increase and transformation and changes in the lives of people. There will be miracles of healing and all manner of illnesses and disease and pride and all the rest of it. Praise the Lord. Because we do what the Lord expects us to do, to engage and to work with the gospel message, there will be an increase. And, uh, you you know, uh, the guy there in in verse 24, the unprofitable servant, he knew what was expected of him, but he was somewhat overcome by the awe and the responsibility of it all. And, uh, you know, he willfully chose. It was very dangerous to do this. He chose not to use the spirit. That's pretty, that's very, very sad. But you can see what the end result was. So it's a fundamental principle, isn't it? Talking about principles and attitudes 
that we must decrease and he must increase. There must be growth. The spirit must grow in our life. You know, uh, the growth is ongoing. We heard last week uh, our brother Steve was preaching about trees of righteousness, which we are. You know, trees of righteousness. And he mentioned in his talk, I remember rightly, uh, that a tree never stops growing. Right? Doesn't matter how many years old you are in the Lord, you don't stop growing. There's ongoing increase. There's more you can learn. There's more you can put into practice. There's more fruit to be had. You know, uh, uh, in fact, the trees, I think, that they have growth rings, don't they? When you cut them, you, you can tell how old they are because every year they, they grow. And there's an extra growth ring. Let's get, um, well, we won't go to it. I think, uh, well, we'll go to Luke chapter 8. If we could go to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. You know, the Apostle Paul says, yes, I planted, I did something with the word of God. I planted it in someone's heart. Apollos did a bit of watering. He followed up and, you know, gave it a bit more. But it's God that gives the increase. It's always his increase. You know, it's always him that multiplies it. We've got to put a bit of work in, a bit of watering, a bit of sowing, a bit of encouragement, but the Lord will give the increase. Um, in my, uh, in my study, I have a, um, a scripture hanging on the wall that uh, Amanda gave me some years ago, and it's Colossians 1 verse 10. And this is what it says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there we are, Colossians 1 verse 10, if you want to jot it down. Two words that we're looking at today. We're talking about increase, about being fruitful, about being, seeing a, a growth in the things of the Holy Spirit. Well, God wants us to be all-pleasing, to be fruitful and increasing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So uh, if we look at Luke 8, we just want to look at another parable here. Um, and it is the parable of the sower and the seed. We could look at Matthew, which gives a lot more detail, but we'll stick with this one uh, a little bit shorter, not as much detail, but nevertheless, I think we'll get the appreciation. And this is all part of growing, of seeing fruit, of increase. Um, and it's all to do with the reaction to the word of God. Now, we can apply this to various people's response to the gospel message, but I believe we need to apply it to ourselves. And we'll see here in verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up uh, with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. So there's a lot of increase here, a lot of fruit, a hundredfold more. And when he had said these things, he cried 
He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And we're here today still listening to the Lord with a desire to have ears to hear what all this means and how to apply it in our life to get a hundredfold increase, to get the, the word of God to produce fruit in our life. Um, <clears throat> we know, of course, we, we can look at Galatians 5. We won't do it today, but uh, we often quote it. We often mention it. The Holy Spirit bears fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit we know has a number of remarkable characteristics and virtues Love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness or humility, which we'll touch on in a moment, temperance, self-control. You know, you can increase in many things in life. You can engage your efforts and your labour in all manner of things and increase them. Property or whatever it is, you know. (laughs) But they're all temporal. They're all going to peter out. They won't last very long. But the fruit of the Spirit is eternal, and all the people said. It's worth working for. It's worth putting some effort into it. It will last forever. It will never let you down. It will usher you into the kingdom of God. It will cause you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. You know, so we need to have ears to hear and take it on board. And come to meetings such as this with an open heart, with a stirred up Holy Ghost attitude, wanting to receive as much as we can from the word of God so that we may apply it. It's got to apply to us somehow. Okay, the parable here so far is about sower and seeds, but as we're going to see, it says there in verse 9, the disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? In verse 11, now the parable is this. Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they which hear, and cometh the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So that can happen to the word of God. Let someone talk you out of it. You know, peer pressure, what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think. It's what God says is is, is the bottom line of everything. Uh, then on the rock are they which, uh, when they hear, receive the word with joy. There's a bit of a response here to the word of the Lord. But they have no root, stony ground, not much depth of soil, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation or offence or difficulty or trouble, they fall away. No depth of soil, shallow, just a... Shallow growth. And uh, that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. That's pretty uh, clear. And bring no fruit to perfection. But we've got to love verse 15, don't we? And that's where we've got to be. When we're talking about principles, about growth and being fruitful, you want to be Luke 8, verse 15. On the good ground are they which of an honest and good heart have heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. In the Amplified it says, who hearing the word hold fast in a just, noble, virtuous and worthy heart 
and steadily bring forth fruit with patience. Regardless what comes their way, they endure, they keep on applying the word of God, they keep trusting the Lord, they keep putting their faith in him, they keep looking to him and being encouraged by his word and they come through and they grow in the Lord. This is the hundredfold that we're talking about. Bringing forth a hundredfold is being good soil. It's talking about our heart, of course. It's talking about our attitude. It's talking about receiving and applying his word consistently through all the circumstances of life. It does need effort, of course. It does need trading. It does need engaging. It does need work. It does need discipline. Of course it does. You know, um, <clears throat> we learn a lot about the sort of heart or soil that we want to be here in verse 15. There's no limit here to how fruitful the Holy Ghost can be in our life. Producing good soil needs work, as we can see, just by the, this simple parable. During the week, Barbara got me to dig a veggie patch, you know, um, and I can tell you it's hard work. You've got to dig that shovel in. You've got to turn the soil over. You've got to fertilise it. You've got to weed it. Now, fortunately for me, this week, uh, you know, the veggie patches have been dug a few times in previous seasons, so it's not so hard anymore. But nevertheless, you've got to put work in to produce good soil. Now, Barbara does the rest. She does the watering and the nurturing and the, the growing of the, the plant and bringing the fruit in, which is all fantastic, and then we eat it. But the soil must be good. Otherwise, if it's got weeds, as he said, you... you You've got the cares of this life. You've got the riches and pleasures of this life. It's just going to choke it. You won't get the fruit that the Lord's looking for if that's what you're caught up with. It will choke the word of God. There's no point being shallow, as we've already mentioned, you know, and that is something that we deal with quite a bit in our walk in the Lord. Along comes an offense, a stumbling block something that we should have the Holy Spirit rise us up above it. But no, we've got to take it personally. We've got to take the offence. We stew on it. We take it to heart. We get down. We, we, we lose sight of uh, the joy of the Lord. And before we know it, you know, we're in sh very shallow ground, no fruit of the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and we go down. That's what Jesus said here. We lose our way. And that's pretty serious. So obviously you've got to not allow that to happen. You know, get some depth of soil. Um, of course, we never want to be in this position where before the word of God can have an impact in our life, it gets snatched away because someone else gets in our ear. In fact, I was talking to a, a brother during the week who someone got in his ear and said, oh, what do you need to go to revival meetings for? So he just was gullible enough to believe what this guy said to him and stop coming, you know. So it's amazing what does happen. So we've got to be this good soil that Luke 8.15 is about. It's all about the reaction to God's word. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. And I believe we know this scripture well. But 
it is a brilliant summary of how all this works how the word of God works and how the good soil receives it how you bear fruit how the word of God must impact on us not superficial not on shallow soil not on soil that the word of God gets snatched away before it gets a chance to work not on soil that is cho- the word of God is choked because uh, other things are more important but the word of God doing what it's meant to do by the power of the Holy Spirit verse 12 for the word of God is quick which means it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart in the amplified halfway through verse 12 it says penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life the soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow that is the deepest parts of our nature exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart that is the impact the word of god must have upon us now i'm sure not a, we can't all put up our hands and say oh yes that's the impact the word of god has on me every single time but it's what we've got to try and go for this is the good soil this is the soil that is going to bring forth an abundance of fruit a hundredfold this is the soil and the servant that's going to hear well done good and faithful servant we've got to be happy to be opened up by the word of god we've got to be happy to be examined by the word of god we've got to be happy to be pruned by the word of god and sorted out it's it's energetic it's powerful it's sharper than two-edged sword it's got to go into the innermost being and do some work do some sorting out do some assessing do some judging and, uh, and make sure that we are moved by it. Yeah, that's the impact it must have. There's nothing about uh, self-justification here, nothing whatsoever, which is, tends to be the way we receive uh, the word of God when it's, uh, when it's got to do some sorting out. We tend to put up a bit of a wall. No, be open to it, be thrilled with it. You know, your heavenly father disciplining a child that he loves hallelujah allow to have that impact that's the deep good soil that we want that's the soil that will bear much much fruit i remember once um, a brother saying to me that he used to go to the meetings at the vogue and he'd go in he, he was a gardener this guy so he used to use flowery language but he said i oh, I'd go in feeling pretty good and chuffed about myself like a, a flowery rose bush. He said, I go into the meeting and I listen to the word of God and I come back feeling like a prune stick. Well, that's good. You know what? Uh, at Werribee on, uh, on Tuesday, they had a bit of a, a demo of what roses can do. Three and a half months ago, the roses in front of my place were pruned back to a stick. But look at them now. They're flourishing. 
They're bearing beautiful roses, fragrant roses. They're very, very fruitful, very healthy. Well, sort of, yeah, they are, uh, because, because of the pruning. And the word of God must prune. Otherwise, there will be no fruit. You know, the result of pruning by the quick, sharp, two-edged sword produces increase. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, he prunes it. Why? So it may bring forth more fruit. Those are the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. He's talking about him being the vine, us being the branches, his father being the husbandman, and pruning us that we may bear more fruit. The Apostle Peter wrote at the end of his second epistle, he wrote two epistles in the Bible, as we know, and right at the end, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. That's a very, very powerful statement. And Peter tells us how. And I'm going to look at another principle here. First um, Peter chapter 5. Peter knew a lot about growing in grace. 1 Peter 5. <coughs> and this is, again, another vital principle which develops an attitude which will allow increase, which will allow growth, which will allow the grace of God to really influence us and bear fruit. In, uh, in verse 2, feed the flock of God. So Peter has got some direction for the oversight of the church, which is among you, taking the oversight, therefore, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So some advice. You submit yourself by your example and by your faithful ministry to the word of God to feed his people, his sheep, his flock. And that is something that any person uh, who is put in this position must submit himself humbly to the service of the Lord. That is his duty. That is his responsibility. Verse 5, likewise you younger, perhaps not those not in the position of the oversight as such. Submit yourself onto the elder. So submit yourself to the authority that God has placed within his church, the body of Christ. Yea, all of you. Now, this is a beautiful uh, verse. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and it will produce this remarkable quality that you be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble. You want to grow in the grace of God, in the influence of the Holy Ghost, and be fruitful, abundantly fruitful? Well, we've got to allow ourselves to be humble in this way by being submissive to the authority of God, by being submissive in the service of God, by having a desire to submit one to the other. You know, in honour, preferring one another. In love, wanting to see the other edified and blessed of the Lord. That requires work. 
It requires effort. It requires understanding how to apply this scripture in our life and submitting to it, practicing it, putting it to good use. But if we do this, then praise the Lord, it produces that remarkable key that unlocks the grace of God, humility. You know, he resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Verse 6, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. We want grace to abound. We want grace to be multiplied. In fact, if you come with me to Second Peter, just over the page, and chapter 1, that's exactly the same apostle uses those words about growing in grace, about seeing increase. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. The word multiplied to abound, to increase, to grow. So be multiplied to you. It's a great word. And through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Down to verse 4. Whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be a partaker of an everlasting nature, a divine nature, a Holy Ghost nature, a Jesus Christ nature. That's where the Lord wants to take us. That's what being fruitful is about, putting on more of him, increasing in that knowledge of him. There's always a better way, brothers and sisters. There's our way and there's the Lord's. There's our way and there's the Holy Ghost way. There's our thinking and our attitudes and our judgments and our, you know, pronouncements and all this stuff that rattles around in our head. And then there's the word of God, which gets it right every time, you know. And we've always got to be open and looking for doing it his way, putting on his nature, a divine nature. That's why the promise has been given. That's why the talents have been given, that by these exceeding great and precious promises, you may put on the nature of Jesus Christ, that you may increase in that nature. You've got to trade, you've got to work, you've got to make effort, but at the end of the day, you will increase, you will add to that nature. And we'll see here perhaps in um, verse 5. Make the effort, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. So it's an adding, it's an increase. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and of course the ultimate, to brotherly kindness, charity. These are the everlasting qualities of the Holy Spirit. These are the qualities of the divine nature. And there's lots of other scriptures like Galatians 5 that we could look at and, and see. But it's all talking about increasing Right, putting some work and diligence and effort into it so it culminates in this remarkable, everlasting love of God, you know, charity. Covet earnestly, the, the Apostle Paul says, covet earnestly uh, the gifts at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's talking about, you know, you covet, you desire everything that the Holy Ghost has at its disposal for you, the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way, the most excellent way, the way of everlasting love, 
That's what the Holy Spirit takes us to. That's what this addition is all about. This increase is all about. Brotherly kindness is mentioned here. You know, we can put, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost to work and produce that, obviously. You know, there's a, a term I heard during this week. Funnily enough, I heard it as the new mantra of football clubs, believe it or not. Football clubs are not all about... Uh, Get out there and get a kick, mate. Otherwise, you'll be dropped next week. It's all about, I love you, and I care for you, and all this stuff. Now, apparently, that's the, the new mantra. And the term was driven benevolence. How about that? In a footy club. <laughs> Can you imagine magpies with no teeth and all that stuff? They wouldn't even know, know how to spell driven benevolence. Maybe Eddie does, but anyway. But I'd like to... Ch it's not a bad thought, though. You know, I mean, it's used in that... It's only used once in the Bible, and it's used in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 7 about the husband rendering due benevolence to his wife and the wife onto the husband. But it's got a, a fantastic meaning. It means kindness, brotherly kindness we read about here. Favour, goodwill, understanding... Empathy, compassion, those things. They're the qualities of the Holy Spirit, of course. And we can put them into practice. We can have not driven benevolence, but what I'd like to say is Holy Ghost-driven benevolence because it comes from the Spirit. And we can add these things. I'm sure we're, you know, we're not so wonderfully fruitful in all aspects of the Holy Spirit that we, we now can say to the Lord, well, I've done all that, Lord. There's ongoing effort and diligence and work and engagement to produce this fruit. Uh, I won't say much more. No, I think, what's the time, Mike? Here we go. Oh, yeah, it's time to stop. Well, the Lord's returning and he's going to reckon with his servants. And the reckoning is, where's the increase? What have you done with what I gave you? What have you done with the Holy Ghost? Is there fruit? Is there increase? Is there added virtue? Is there added knowledge of the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Have you put on more of this amazing nature? Have you added temperance? Have you added patience? Have you added godliness? Have you added some brotherly kindness? Have you added the love of God? Because that's how it works. Praise the Lord. You know, have you put some of this Holy Ghost-driven benevolence into practice? You've got a whole church to do it in. You've got a wonderful gospel message to show some benevolence to the people who are unsaved and dying in their sins. You know, well, it's a joy and a privilege, Lord, to do whatever I can with the Holy Ghost and put it to work, to trade with it, to preach the gospel with it, to love my brethren with it. It's been a joy and a privilege. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to put it to work. And I know it's well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord.